Episode one, um, because the last episode was like a zero episode. So this is episode one of She-Ra and the Podcast of Power. It's a clever name because it's for a clever show. Uh, I am, I just came up with that. Uh, I'm, your host. <laughs> I'm your host this evening, Rebecca, and I am joined by um, my two lovely co-hosts, Brooke and Cindy. Hello. 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 <laughs> yes, we're the best friend squad, just like in the <gasps> show. We are. <laughs> I know, I know. It's three of us, the three of them. Yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself, though, because they haven't even formed the best friend squad yet, because we're only in season one, episode one. Hopefully you listened to our introductory episode that we put out before this one, where we told you a little bit about ourselves and the show that we're going to be reviewing. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that one, maybe go ahead, go back and listen so you kind of get a feel for who we are. But uh, this will be uh, our uh, review podcast of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. And, you know, since the show is completed, full spoilers, we're going to talk about uh, all kinds of stuff here. And we're definitely going to have, like, uh, more of a roundtable discussion as we talk about the characters that we meet. Uh, thank you, Carol. I appreciate your contribution <laughs> to the show as well. Um, that's the fourth host, is Carol. That's our swift wind. <laughs> yes, yeah, she is our honorary swift wind. That's what we're going to do. We're going to call her swift wind from now on. So, yeah, we are going to talk tonight about Season 1, Episode 1 she, of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, of course. The episode is called The Sword, Part 1, and it originally aired on November 13th, 2018. Uh, that seems like 8,000 years ago, but it actually was less than two years ago. Right? <laughs> Crazy. Golly. <laughs> Here's a brief synopsis for you. On the planet Etheria... Adora, a young captain of the Horde, discovers a hidden sword that seems strangely meant for her. And we're going to talk about the cast that we're going to meet in this episode. So we have uh, Amy Carrero as Adora, Karen Fukuhara as Glimmer, AJ Chalka, I hope I said that right, as Katra. Marcus Scribner as Bo, Dana Davis as Lonnie, Anthony Del Rio as Kyle, Moria Gorondona as Light Hope, Keston John as the Sergeant, Rush Machete as Angela, and Lorraine Toussaint, who is like a queen among actresses. She's been in mm -hmm. everything. Yep. She is a shadow weaver. I was so excited to see her be part of this show. Right. Like, if yeah. you don't recognize her by her name, you will know her by her voice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you don't know who she is, just click on her picture on IMDb and you're going to say, oh, um, I know who she is. Yeah, you've seen her in everything. She was the so. police chief or she was whatever because she was on one of the Law and Orders. Could be. She's definitely been around. She's been on I lots know of she, things. I know she's played like a defense attorney on some Law and Order episodes. So, okay. But, you know, they like recycle their actors so much. They do. So. So they who do. knows? If they're yeah. in one, they can be somebody in a different one if they want. They sure, 
They sure can. But this is not a Law & Order podcast, and I will not derail it like I normally do. So we are going to focus on She-Ra tonight. So this is kind of our main cast here. As we go on and we meet new characters, we'll definitely tell you who voices them. But for now, you can pretty much assume everybody that I've just read off, you're going to hear them in pretty much every episode going forward, more or less. The only voice actor that changes is when Swiftwind starts talking. I don't know what happened, but the guy that talked for him, it switches to somebody else. Really? When he talks more later in the next season. See, I thought I noticed that, but I didn't realize it was a different actor. I thought I was just crazy. It's similar, but yeah, yeah, it it is a different actor. (laughs) Because the guy that took over is like, uh, he acts, but he's also like a comedian and stuff, and he's been on Doug Loves Movies, and that's how I knew that he talked for him all of a sudden. Okay. Okay, cool. Oh, well, thank you for that. Uh, thank you for that insight. I did not know that. <laughs> Hopefully, as I said, you listened to our Zero episode. You know that all three of us loved the show so much that we decided to make a podcast about it. Let's kind of just jump in here and start talking about some of these characters. And certainly we're going to try to remember our first impressions of our, of these characters. And we'll definitely talk about how they're drawn and, and animation and all that. Let's start with uh, let's start with our main star here, Adora. This is before she's She-Ra, of course. Uh, when we meet Adora, she is part of the Horde. They are definitely the bad guys. And, uh, I mean, the fact that they're called the Horde should <laughs> probably tip you off. And yet, somehow, she but doesn't know. Everyone but... <laughs> calls them the evil Horde. The evil this is horde. true. Who calls us that? Is... I know, right? I mean, do they call themselves the good Horde? Perhaps they do. <laughs> I don't, I don't well, know. Well, maybe they don't um, know that Horde has a bad connotation. Because uh, possibly. Of they probably right. think it's because of Horde. Very true. They probably think because their leader is Hordak, they're called the Horde. You know, Hordak and his Horde. I get that. I like the alliteration Mm -hmm. brand that he has going on. I think they call themselves like the nice Horde. I don't think that they know (laughs) that people do not like them. But well, the cadets don't. This is true. The cadet. Well, yeah. Let Let's talk about Adora here. So Adora (laughs) is like a captain in the in the Horde Guard. Definitely, there's a lot of like brainwashing and indoctrination and propaganda mm-hmm. going on here to be expected from like an evil empire type thing you know where they basically are feeding these cadets that uh, all these princesses who live on a theater they are violent rabble rousing terrible people who must be contained they have to be stamped out you know they're rebelling against the horde for like no reason and mm-hmm. the thing i like is that they show yeah they're training to be soldiers or whatever but they're not being tortured or be you know they're not ha- being treated mistreated they're just being miseducated yes you know and i think sometimes people don't get that with uh real life that sometimes nice people can have terrible views no i like what you're saying here because i think it's very easy to look at something incredibly evil like nazi germany right Mm -hmm. and say which is pretty up there for evil yes. to, to look at that and say every single person who lived in Germany was obviously a Nazi and terrible and horrible 
I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense because there were plenty of people that were indoctrinated and were fed propaganda and lies mm-hmm. and and believed it because they thought that th- there were good things happening rather than terrible things. I mean, there were right. also people who went with it because they didn't. They didn't want to lose their jobs or their life or 100%. whatever. 100%. You know, like they were just yeah. trying to protect themselves. Yes. Uh, I mean, we don't really see anybody like that in the Horde. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. Um, So I think I really like what you're saying here about how good people can have terrible viewpoints mm-hmm. because they've been fed incorrect information they've been fed lies and they've been fed propaganda that is just not true mm-hmm. yeah i feel like it's a little more like growing up in the south with casual racism mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. people are just like saying ridiculous things like our neighbor keeps their yard clean okay and it doesn't matter that they're of some sort of ethnicity shouldn't but it might to that person who said it because they were raised to believe that people who speak Spanish are lazy or mm-hmm. black mm-hmm. people are something, you know, like different things. And if they don't realize how destructive that is, you know, like I feel like that's kind of how the horde is. The poor people around, or at least Adora and like Scorpia, <laughs> you know, because Scorpia's really nice and fun. They don't see the bad effects of what they are doing. They only see the one side because that's all they've known. Mm-hmm. It's similar in that in the Horde, they teach them that princesses are these terrible monsters, mm-hmm. simply because they're princesses. Mm-hmm. Right. Sticking with you, Cindy, like what? What do you think about this topic that that we're kind of talking about? People can be good or nice people, but because of being fed incorrect information, can hold terrible viewpoints. What do you think about that? I think it's completely accurate. There's there's a lot of nature versus nurture kind of stuff we can get into here. Mm-hmm. I think Catra and Adora is a really good juxtaposition of that mm. because they've all been nurtured the same way. Catra and Adora, they grew up together. They've had the same education. And not that Catra doesn't have a big heart and the capability the ability to change her mind um it just it comes a lot easier to adora so that's that's part of adora's nature um she sees what etheria is like outside of the horde and she's like i gotta figure this out everything's different than what i thought and in in this is going into episode two but katra sees that too and katra she's she's not as ready to want to change as Adora is so she goes back to the horde mm-hmm. and so yeah they, they grew up with the same thoughts and beliefs but people can change and we need to not discount the fact that they can hold these extreme prejudices but you can unlearn things yeah I totally agree with what you're saying here um, I think uh, the nature versus nurture stuff is really evident in, in this first episode um where Brooke, you were commenting earlier about uh Bo telling Adora like that's why you're called the evil horde mm-hmm. and and she's like, No one calls us that mm-hmm. you know, and her justification is that we're not doing terrible things. We're making things more orderly. We're we're bringing order to chaos on this planet. We're doing what's best for you. And, you know, th- this is when, you know, she's drawn to that, to the sword that she finds in, in the forest. And both Bo and Glimmer are actually on the track of this sword because they've, like, picked up this mysterious power source. So when they meet he's up. He's got his little iPad. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. <laughs> I love that Bo has his little iPad that they're using to track down the sword, which is just adorable. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Bo in a minute. Adorable. Adorable. I didn't even mean to make that pun. I didn't even mean to do that. Don't forget your thought. I just want to tell Cindy I want to applaud her for her whole nature versus nurture thing. I thought it might be a little much to actually clap when she was done. It was was an excellent point. I really enjoyed it. And you're absolutely right. right. They both enjoyed. They both had the same upbringing, but took two very different paths. And that Mm -hmm. has to do with their nature because they both received the same education. They both were given the same access in this and the next episode. They're both sort of given the, the, the real facts about what the horde is doing. Mm-hmm. And yet it's Adora that makes the change and not Katra. And I think we'll talk more about Katra's personality going forward. I think her personality is a very fascinating one. And her yes. upbringing before the Horde, I think, is also very fascinating and contributes a lot to her decision making as the as the show goes on. As far as their like characters are, I just I want to really hand it to the writers and producers of this show because this is one of the very few shows that have multiple seasons where like the characterization of your of your main cast especially doesn't really change much. Like they go through, you know, character growth as people, but they're the same kind of do you, do you know what I mean they're they've got the same like energy about them at the beginning as they do at the end you know who these characters are in this first episode you get Adora who's making finger guns at herself in the mirror and who's kind of goofy <laughs> but really serious and, and very tough and then you get really stubborn glimmer who just wants to help people and is she's just frustrated by everything and then you have Bo who just wants to be friends with everyone and love everyone mm-hmm. and that never changes yeah that's an excellent point too like from the first episode of this series to the last episode Glimmer, Adora, and Bo have those core qualities. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that never changes. Even though they go through some very difficult circumstances, even though they're faced with terrible challenges, they absolutely are able to retain what makes them them at their core. And it's not every show that can do that. I totally no. agree with you. Like, think of, uh, we were talking about, before we were recording, we were talking about the show Parks and Rec, how Leslie Nope is a completely different person in season one versus seasons four and five. Because in season one, they make her kind of spacey, she's yeah. kind of dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she said, I think you're right. I think what Leslie never loses is that she never loses that innocence and that mm-hmm. genuineness <laughs> that they she just, has. They make her more competent. Yes, mm-hmm. Throughout the series. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, agreed. it's that, it's just those kind of little things that really boils down to writing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, it, it, it's definitely to be applauded for the writers to be able to do that. Um, and I think that also goes back to what we talked about in episode zero about having so many women being involved in this and having so many people of color, having people who, you know, may be gender fluid or people who, who have, who are queer. It brings a different perspective and a different experience to the table mm-hmm. versus, you know, a show like game of Thrones, which was 
as much as I enjoyed Game of Thrones for what it was, it is a show written by a bunch of white dudes who tried to write <laughs> how they thought a woman would react. And then we got mm-hmm. the last season and then it was like, mm-hmm. maybe you should have more women on staff. Just a thought, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> just a thought. But yeah, I think that this show is a perfect example of what happens when you invite more people to the table that have a different experience than you. Yeah. Um, right. Because, you know, I-, I would even just point out like the three of us. We're very good friends in real life, for those that don't know, but we've had very different backgrounds and upbringings and life experiences and um, all sorts of different things about our personalities, about who we are as people, mm-hmm. um, but yet the three of us together bring unique perspectives mm-hmm. that we can enjoy sharing with each other. Because well, we have things that are in common, like both of you have sisters, Whereas I don't, you know, but me and Cindy grew up, I mean, her for the most part in Kentucky, you know what I mean? But like in smaller places, even when she didn't live in Kentucky, you know, like we have some things that are in common, but we have things that are different and it's cool because that's how the characters are in the show and you see how they fit together, like friends in real life. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, just kind of looking at like the story arcs, in this first episode, you know, we see Adora go from, as, as, as Cindy mentioned, the, the uh, finger guns, which is a personal <laughs> favorite moment. Um, yes. Pew, pew, in the, pew, pew, I got this. You know, <laughs> we, we meet right away Katra, who from day one, I mean, Katra sleeps at the bottom of Adora's <laughs> bed. Like a cat. Like, I mean, like mm-hmm. an actual cat. And it's definitely not one of these, you know, she's her slave or her pet kind mm-hmm. of a thing. But this is like a humanoid cat person mm-hmm. creature who is close to Adora. You could see that they clearly are good friends. They spend mm-hmm. a lot of time together. You see how they kind of look out for each other. Like when Catra seems to be late for practice and the guy's like, where's Catra? Oh, she's she's here. She's here somewhere. You know, she's covering for her because mm-hmm. they are such good friends. We see that Adora, who's like all gung-ho to be part of the Horde, we see when she's given the chance by Shadow Weaver to sort of take a leadership role now to move forward and even beyond just her team, right? Because she tells her your your team's not ready, but you are. Mm-hmm. And then almost the next thing that happens is now she's confronted with Bo and Glimmer who present to her a very different viewpoint of the Horde that Mm -hmm. she's a part of, right? They show her a place that the Horde has attacked and burned down and they they know it's the Horde because they see like their robots, you know, left behind. And Adora is like sort of sticking to the message that she's been taught. No, we're not... We're not bad. We're just making things orderly. We're just trying to bring order to this planet. It's it's for your own good. And, and mm-hmm. it's, you know, and then, you know, we see Bo and Glimmer kind of be like, eh, we all call you the evil horde. So how good <laughs> can you be? And you do kind of see Adora really just sort of just go back to that indoctrination, back to that training of like, nope. I'm confident in what I'm doing here. And of course we do see the sword, right? The title Mm -hmm. of the episode is called the sword. When she, she's drawn to it for some reason. She doesn't know why yet. What did you all think about 
you know, there's that scene where like there's this monster that chases them and, mm-hmm. and Glimmer can't fight the monster off. And so Adora picks up the sword and she starts to kind of fight the monster. And we see, you know, her first time transforming into She-Ra. What were your thoughts on that scene to watch her that very first time, not even know what she's doing, pick up that sword and transform into She-Ra? I thought it was really great because, you know, she was getting like these visions. What's her name? Light Hope. Light Hope, yes. There's so many things that have similar names. <laughs> I couldn't get it out. Um, yeah. Like, she was seeing visions of that. Basically, she got her to say, for the power of Grayskull, and so then she did. So, you know. Honor of Grayskull. For the honor of Grayskull. Whatever. <laughs> I keep saying it wrong. Did they say it the other way in He-Man? I don't know why I'm saying it wrong all the time. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, in, in, in He-Man, to be fair, it's very similar. He says, I have the power. And then he oh. also says, he also says, yes. uh, by the power of Grayskull. So you're not wrong yes. that the okay. He-Man stuff is in your head because of She-Ra. So um, you started making me think I was wrong? <laughs> like, is it not for the honor of Grayskull? No, it, it, it is. It, it's just... <laughs> It's just, you know, the original She-Ra origin was completely tied to Mm He-Man. Like, it was not separate at all. And so one of the things I do love about this show is that her origin has... I mean, He-Man's never even mentioned in this. Like, as far as we know, he's not even a character in this universe. Like, unless they decide to bring him in. But She-Ra and He-Man have nothing to do with each other. Mm -hmm. Which I like. Kevin Smith working on a He-Man movie? Also with DreamWorks? He he is working on some He-Man stuff. I believe it's also for Netflix. Yeah, they're not going to be... Yeah, so... Related, I think. I don't think they're going to be in the same universe is what the last time I heard anything about it. I mean, I have no problem with that. I'm indifferent. That'd be cool if they were. Because I I just want more She-Ra. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm probably going to get some flack for this. But, I mean, if Kevin Smith's doing it, I don't know that it would be up to the quality of this. Oh, I totally agree (laughs) with that statement. Because this stuff is hit or miss for me. I am not. I know. Okay, watch everybody stop listening. But... I'm not the biggest Kevin Smith fan. I like some of his stuff. Mm -hmm. Not all of it. For me, his work is hit or miss. Mm -hmm. So will it be at this level? I'm not expecting that. I'm expecting a different tone because he's a different kind of a filmmaker. We'll see. I mean, I would I would hope they don't shoehorn this She-Ra and try to make it work with his storytelling tone. I don't know if that would really work Mm -hmm. personally. But um, mm. <laughs> uh, Cindy, I didn't get your thoughts on uh, uh, Adora's first uh, transformation in, into Shira. Oh, it was it was pretty much the exact same reaction as Glimmer and Bose, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. Um, if you'll remember from episode zero, I came into this not knowing anything, so I wasn't really prepared. Like I knew. There were some, like, magical elements, but I, I didn't think it was going to be a whole, like, magical girl transformation a la Sailor Moon. Um, and she gets which, bigger and everything. Right? She gets to be, like, eight feet tall. And I'm like, whoa, who is this? I love her. I love that she's still Adora. I didn't know if she was going to be, like, a completely different person, but she's she's Adora with the power of She-Ra. So she's still got, you know, all of Adora's thoughts and memories and feelings, but then she's also got the power and the strength and the the costume and it's i was pleasantly surprised by what happened but it kind of takes a bit of her doing that for her to really be adora just 
extra large, powerful. You know, because it's like she, I think because she's sort of confused at first. It's yeah, not like. she doesn't know how to control. Yeah, like, so she, yeah, so she can't process. But she's still much. aware. Yes, she's not fully herself because she's trying to figure it out. But it's not like they just didn't write it well. It's like you can tell that's what it is. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. her learning. To make a comic book reference, like, it's definitely not like a Bruce Banner Incredible Hulk situation. And if if you listen to this and you don't know anything about the Incredible Hulk, he literally transforms into like a green rage monster who she like has, has no pretty much would be that. Like and when he's the Hulk, like he has no like there's no like there's none of that smart doctor stuff going on. It's all just blind rage and smashing cars. And so it, it's definitely not that kind of a situation because she's aware of who she is. She doesn't like become this other person per se, but she does take on these powers. The sword, you know, obviously she can't control it yet as SND mentioned, but definitely that sword drew her to it because she was the only one that saw it when she and Katra were flying over, you know, the sword appeared to Adora, but did not appear to Katra. And it was Adora saw that sword in her dreams to the point that she was compelled to go out and look for it. So, I mean, obviously we see here, this sword is special. It's calling to Adora. Clearly there's a special purpose for her and the sword. Definitely will be explored more in, in in the next episode, but... I do want to talk a little bit about both Glimmer and Bo mm-hmm. as far as like how they are drawn and how they look. One of the things that I really appreciated about the way Glimmer was drawn is, and we do meet Glimmer's mother in, in this. She's the queen of right. You know, we, we meet her mother who has a very sort of tall, thin, slender body type. And then we meet Glimmer who is definitely, you know, she's like, because she is younger, obviously, and child, well, not a child, but like uh, a young adult. She's shorter than her mother, but she's also drawn very differently. Like, we see her, like, she is definitely more of a, of a curvy girl. She has thicker thighs. She definitely has a different body shape. When we see her dad later, he's shorter than her mom and he's stockier and everything so he she's yes. more like her dad she is yes mm-hmm. definitely she is i do i guess the point I, the reason why i bring it up is the idea that like and we're going to see this as we go on that all the different girls in this show are drawn with different body types mm-hmm. there's no body shaming going on here her mother doesn't it, it, why, you know, oh, if only you would diet, you would be slimmer. If only you would, you know, if you would just do this and you have such a pretty face, if only you could lose 20 pounds. Like, there's none of that stuff happening. It's um, never even mentioned. Like, it's it's not even a topic. Mm-mm. No, it's never there's even zero. The only time that I can recall anyone ever commenting on someone's appearance is when they talk about how tall she regets. Right. That's really it. I mean... And they think Scorpia yeah. might later... Well, just because about her claws. Her, yeah, mm-hmm. about herself, but not yeah. like... Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think those are the only mentions of, like, body image that, that really come and up. And it's a positive um, thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Praising the fact that she was enormous. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, I do... Uh, I do like that. How, how many, I mean, there's plenty of girls. Uh, I will include myself in that. I was tall from a young age. I mean, you're an Amazon, remember? 
Wonder Woman. Well, true. But like in in my school growing up in elementary school, they they used to line us up in size order, right? Boys and girls <laughs> size order. That was a thing they did in my school. Mm-hmm. Uh, guess who was always at the back of the line? Every grade, <laughs> every year. This girl, always. I was always in the back because I was always the tallest. Guess he was always the shortest. Uh, is it you? Because you're so cute and tiny and adorable. <laughs> I didn't even reach five feet tall until I was 17. Oh, my gosh. I think I was five foot tall in kindergarten. Yeah, no, there were kids <laughs> in my classes that were that tall when I was little. Different height experiences, but <laughs> kind of the same idea of like... Cindy's average height, you know. Always have been. Yes, right in the middle. Yeah. Those kinds of things can appeal to maybe the girl that is the standout and Mm -hmm. doesn't want to be the standout. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, oh, you're so tall. How's the air up there? You know, all that stuff. Yeah, I do my best. No, I'm incredibly klutzy, actually, and I can't play. I can't play sports because I have no coordination. But it's it's one of those things. Who did play basketball? I mean, intramural basketball, but me. Yeah. And I'm the tiny really? one. <laughs> I had no idea. I did not know that. <laughs> it was just intramural basketball. It wasn't like, I didn't like try out for the actual team. I can't Still, run a lot. Still, a sport ball. That kind of stuff I always love. I do like the way that Glimmer is drawn. When we meet her in this episode, she's definitely very impetuous. Like, her mother is chastising her because she, like, zapped herself over to where the horde was raiding this village. And and she put herself in danger. And But she's so gung-ho to stop the horde. Mm -hmm. Like, she can't help herself. Mm-hmm. I love that their their first conversation together it devolves from a, a military meeting <laughs> with the queen to a mother scolding her child. And I think that's her. such a beautiful, perfect, wonderful character introduction for both of them, and it fits them as um their characters interact. It just fits so perfectly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have to ask you guys: Have you ever? been grounded and then snuck out or just snuck out in general because i i mean i'd been grounded like once maybe maybe twice but probably just once i think uh but i've never snuck in or out of the house and i didn't know if you guys did if you would like to divulge that or not because that i've never snuck out i've been grounded a lot but always like my parents would forget that i was grounded (laughs) (laughs) they'd be like oh can i go over to my friend's house yeah sure fine yeah that's hilarious I, I was only grounded, like, I could count on one hand the number of times I was grounded. Mm-hmm. And I was such a goody two-shoes that, like, the idea of sneaking out never even occurred to me. Because, <laughs> I, well, I'm grounded. Oh, well, better stay in the house. Like, I, I, I was... <laughs> I was not a cool kid. Like, I, if I got grounded, I stayed grounded. So I right? didn't sneak out, and I never snuck into somebody's place. I was a very boring child. I love Yeah. I love that Glimmer, like, is writing a letter to her mom that she's never going to give her just because she's angry. And it <laughs> right? reminded me of one of my friends. She would give hand me notes sometimes that she had typed up in wingdings, if anybody remembers wingdings. <laughs> I remember wingdings. So her dad yes. wouldn't know what she was typing, and then she would change it all back to regular letters and print it out, and then delete it, and then take it and bring it to me the next day at school. That <laughs> is... to get her stuff out like that, just to be like, oh, I was grounded, my dad, it made me so mad. <laughs> That's a great story. I love that so much. It's such a, that is such a slice of mid-90s life right there. Yeah. That, 
that I remember. <laughs> so, I totally, so I totally love that bit, you know, in there because it was like some. It was sort of like that, but <laughs> oh, it's so great. I don't think yeah. Whitney ever snuck out or in, in either. Like I could go over to her house, and it didn't matter what time it was when I came home because my mom knew that we were just sitting around watching movies and not lying about it. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about Bo, who we meet in this episode as well. Bo's like, I kind of love that Bo's like the token guy, the token (laughs) man of this show. Mm -hmm. I say that very lovingly because so many times like these adventure cartoons or shows, you know, it's all men Mm -hmm. or all boys. And then there's like, Okay, <clears throat> perfect example. G1 Transformers, right? <laughs> Another show I grew up watching and loved. I loved G1 Transformers. But there was one girl Transformer, mm-hmm. RC, and she was pink, yep. of course, okay. because let's enforce those gender roles, gosh darn it. The girl that talked for Jim, Smith and Newark, talked uh-huh. to talked Oh, to I did not realize that it was the same a- actress. Mm-hmm. Oh. She didn't get I- to... She's a singer. She didn't get to sing for Jim, but she talked for Jim and a Transformer. Right. (laughs) Now, that I knew that she didn't sing for Jim, but I... I, Okay. Oh, that's interesting. That's very cool. She's very nice. I've met her, and we're friends on Facebook. (laughs) That's cool. I I really like her posts and stuff. She's very positive. Mm -hmm. I like her a lot. So, yeah. Okay. G1 Transformers... All, all the Transformers are clearly male, right? They've mm-hmm. got male voices and, and all that. One girl Transformer. Just one. She's the token girl. Mm-hmm. RC. And she doesn't get to do very much in mm-hmm. the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's terrible mm-hmm. in that sense. But, so I love that this is sort of a switcheroo here where it's all of these very strong and powerful girls and women in this show and then you have like the token man who's Mm -hmm. just there to support them he's totally fine with that role like he doesn't ever be like hey i'm the guy around here and (laughs) i'm gonna tell you what you never get that from him and Mm -hmm. clearly in this episode he's there as glimmer's best friend Mm -hmm. and i love his outfit i love the big heart on his chest I think that is so sweet. I love crop it. Crop top bow. Crop mm-hmm. top bow. Crop top bow. He was rocking that crop top like Winnie the Pooh. He didn't care. That was how he wanted to dress. That was how he was going to dress. He nope. was very confident, and I like that about him. It's sort of like Steven Universe, except for that's about him being surrounded by all of these powerful women. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. But he's like one of the powerful women to Shira. Yeah. And yeah. you know, he never begrudges the fact that he's surrounded by princesses who have magic. He never complains, he never feels bad for himself that he himself doesn't have magic. Yeah. He's he's excited that he can do technology stuff and shoot yeah. arrows. He knows how capable he is on his own merits. Mm-hmm. Yes. He he is secure in himself. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Like Sometimes we talk about the problems with, like, toxic masculinity, and then sometimes people hear that, and they're like, whoa, what do you mean I can't be like a dude, bro? I can't be a man? You... No, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about are the qualities of that masculinity that are that are negative, that are threatening to women in the sense of, like, you know, the guy that, like, interrupts the woman who's talking or the man who his 
female coworker has an idea and he takes it and presents it as his without giving her the credit. Like these are the things that we don't like about toxic masculinity, right? The men who hit their partners or the men who emotionally abuse their partners. And these are the things that we complain about with toxic masculinity. One of the great things about Bo is Bo is who he is. And he's never toxic. He's never interrupting Glimmer. He doesn't mansplain to her how he thinks she should do stuff. He is secure in his own abilities. And he's just there to support Glimmer most of the time. And as the show goes on, he's there to support She-Ra most of the time. And he's very good in that role. And he's, from what we can tell, content and happy in that role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very positive role model. Just yeah. Cindy said he knows he's capable and he knows his friends are capable. And he tries to help them when they need it. And he tries to tell them when mm-hmm. they're overdoing it. I can't wait to show this show to my nephew. Mm-hmm. But you'll have to pose it as you're showing it to your niece. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But try to get him to watch it too. Because right. there's action. There's swords. Yeah, there you go, swords. There's a flying horse. (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, the times that Bo does try to stop people from doing stuff or try to tell people, hey, don't, don't do that. It's not because he thinks he knows better. It's because he can, he's their friend Mm -hmm. and he can see that. He's looking out for that. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's just like when you see your friend maybe, you know, down a bad path or you see them hanging out with people that you know are not good influences or you know can be toxic in their own way. And you try to warn your friend and you say, you know, those people, they're not that great. You know, they have this quality, that quality. Maybe this isn't who you should be hanging around with. You do it because you love the person and you you hope you're trying to look out for them and help them not make a, like a bad decision or go down a bad path. And when Bo does that, when he tries to stop people from doing stuff, it really is because he's their friend and he loves them and he just wants to look out for them mm-hmm. and he has their best interests at heart. So I think the only other character that we haven't really talked about and she's in it very briefly is Shadow Weaver. We mm-hmm. we just sort of get like a little glimpse of her, but she's a very small part in this first episode. She's clearly a magical person. She levitates. She's wearing a mask. She's the one who gives Adora the chance to take a leadership role in the Horde. She doesn't walk. She, like, just glides. She does. Like, she, yeah, she doesn't walk at all. She just, yeah, she's like hovers mm-hmm. over the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, you know, we did talk about her a little bit, but Katra's in this episode. Mm-hmm. We meet Katra. Uh, she's Adora's. Clearly, they're very good friends. I do want to know, like, what were your first impressions of Katra when you first saw the show, if you can remember? Like, did you first see her becoming such a big character and an important part of the show right away? What do you, I don't know if you even recall that or, or or how you felt about about Catra when you saw her for the first time. Catra or Shadow Weaver. Catra. I kind of suspected that she would be a big player. They give you lots of hints early on about how close her and Adora are. I know we're talking about episode one, but it's hard to separate episode one and two because okay. it's the sword part one and the sword part two. But in the end of part two, where you see Catra look at Adora, and Adora is looking at Catra. They have that that moment between them, and then Catra turns and walks away. You just, you know there's going to be more. You know this is not a relationship that is just going to be here and there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I wish I had time to refresh my memory with part two. I just ran out of time today, but 
next episode for sure. I'm sure we'll be going back and forth again, which is yeah. totally fine. <laughs> we'll uh, think of more things we want to say. <laughs> absolutely, since it is part one, part two. But yeah, this is our introduction to the to the episode. Have I missed anything, or were there any other points that you want to talk about, or any other characters that you'd like to bring up before we uh, end our episode? I just want to say that I loved Catra when she showed up because she's sort of snarky and. <laughs> She's a bit of a procrastinator, that kind of person. So mm-hmm. I really kind of feel that. And I didn't realize that she was going to be as... I don't know if evil is quite the word, because that's a little strong. But I didn't know she was going to turn out the way she did, and you know, through the whole thing, and become such an important person in the Horde, eventually. You know, like, I didn't realize it was going to be that bad. But I definitely like her design a lot better than the original one. Yes. I don't, yeah. I don't need the sexy cat lady. She's got the same hair from what I remember. Yeah. Big and poofy. Oh, can we talk about the hair in the 80s music? <laughs> There's definitely some, like, 80s references in there. And I, I yeah. wasn't alive in the 80s, but I still, <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there were, I think as, as this show goes on, there are definite sort of like little love letters to the 80s mm-hmm. in here. Little love notes to to the 1980s when the original Shira was out. I do like that, but I feel like there was just enough of an 80s reference. Yeah, and I think any more, and the show would have dated itself as like we're an 80s show, and uh-huh. and, and it's not. And I don't think they should try to be, but, but just uh, enough yeah. to just as an homage to the original, just mm-hmm. enough. Oh yeah, I absolutely agree with that. What's crazy is the one, the original one, like, some of their costumes were more 70s, I feel like, than, it was like 70s to 80s, like early 80s, late 70s kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, but then again, without the internet and stuff, things sort of took longer to get out of people's system, I guess. Um <laughs> Like warmers, but you know, that kind of stuff comes back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the, like the sort of techno-y music, you know, like that they have in the show, but it's more updated, but it's reminiscent of new wavy kind of synth music and stuff from the 80s. And I love the song, the theme song. Yes. Oh, the theme song. Such a good theme song. I thought it was really dorky the first time I heard it. I'm like, oh, really? Really? Right. The first, like, two seasons, I would skip it every time. Yeah. But, Later on, I've been like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have never skipped it since we saw it at New York Comic Con and everybody was singing along. I've not skipped it since then at all. (laughs) Yeah, the theme song definitely grew on me. But I just, you know what? It is a little dorky when you first listen to it. I'm not going to lie. But the message in the song Mm -hmm. about being brave and being strong and being friends and working together as a team. I don't know. I'm a sucker for that stuff. Mm-hmm. It really just won me over very quickly. Mm-hmm. I love the theme song now. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't skip it either, ever. I always listen to it and sing along <laughs> like a big dark in my room. But mm-hmm. I love it. I just, I don't know. I just, I think it's it's a great little encapsulation of the positive messages in this show. Yeah. about uh, being friends and working together and being strong and being brave. And you see all the princesses doing their thing in the opening sequence. I love it. I think uh, I think that's it. I think this is our, uh, I think this was a pretty solid discussion about episode one. Mm-hmm. I think it's longer than the actual episode, yeah. but that's not really surprising. <laughs> like three times longer. <laughs> we, love to, we love to talk about stuff. I mean, it's why we do podcasts. So, yeah. And we can't <laughs> visit each other right now. 
the two of us can't visit you and you can't come visit the two of us. Because no, it's very upsetting because... because... Although me and Cindy are in the same place, we are not in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> See, but at least when we say goodnight, you two can like physically say hello to each other and I will just be here in New York by myself. Aww. But, you know, um, it's such as life during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. We'll hopefully be able to uh, all be together in the same room again soon sooner rather than later right best friend squad yay best friend squad Woo-hoo. awesome so yeah this has been episode one uh which was the sword part one next time you hear us we'll be talking about episode two the sword part two and we'll talk about uh, how the story arc wraps up and we'll talk a little bit more about adora and she-ra and everybody that we love in this show so thanks to brooke and cindy for of course being here with me and i think we're gonna have cindy take us on our journey through the episode Ooh, Ooh very nice. oh stop Anyway, (laughs) thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. on Facebook and Twitter at Horde to Hero. That's Horde, the number two hero. Or find us at hordetohero.com.